Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We are called to rest. It's true. To set down our burdens. To stop. To worship our sleepless God. By trusting Him to provide, while we do nothing. But rest must have its end. This body is made to move, to work, to go. The church at rest from her labor is beautiful in His eyes. But the church in motion, we are His hands, His feet. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to worship Him with exactly the good works He made us to do. Let us not rest too long and miss the opportunity to discover our place in His plan. Let us rise up now and go. I'm too afraid that often in our community in this day and age, we, we miss the opportunity. And we miss the opportunity for, for many reasons. Uh, we miss the opportunity sometimes because we are uh, too busy resting, uh, thinking that someone else will do it. We miss the opportunity because uh, we feel we're just too busy. We have too much on our plate. Someone else is less busy. Uh, well, I can tell you, I think every, we can speak from everyone, we all have so much going on. Uh, but we all can do more. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning as we look at this idea that more than talent is required. More than just uh, God's desire. More than, than just, uh, just all of the, the, the money in the world, all of the tools in the world, all of the, the wonderful ministry projects, education, uh, curriculum, all those things that we use. It's more than just that that reaches people. It is individuals, it is His uh, followers, uh, brothers and sisters in the body of Christ that are called to go and to be His instruments. As the video said, to be His hands and to be His feet. And that is what we are called to do. He has chosen a, a very unique way to get His message out there. And we want to be uh, the ones that are following that plan as we look at this idea. We're looking at a, a series of parables, as I mentioned before, uh, where Jesus is calling his disciples uh, and telling them about this uh, kingdom of heaven and what it's going to be like. Uh, the previous parable, the parable that, that precedes this one, is told in a state of expectancy. In other words, Jesus is telling them about the kingdom of heaven that will be, uh, a time that will come, uh, a time that, that is, is, is far in the future. Whereas this parable is in a state, or told in a state, of work, of getting our hands and our feet dirty 
it, it is told in a, in, a, in a state of getting down about the business of the kingdom. He is telling them about a time in which God, the manager, will or is investing in individuals or his followers, his servants. Let's see exactly how this text unfolds. Look again, if you will, at Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25, at verse 14. It says again, It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants in and entrusted his wealth to them. There are two his's in that, in that uh, one verse. His servant and his wealth. The first thing that we notice uh, in this parable is that the manager is entrusting his servants with his property. The first thing that we are to learn from this passage or this parable is that we are not owners. We are owned. And the opportunities around us are owned. We need to notice above all else that we are owned, bought with a price. And that was with the blood and body of Jesus Christ. The moment we begin to think of ourselves as owners or, or managers, even of our own existence, we start down a path or a road of selfishness, of pride, and, and of ultimately separation from God and His purposes. Specs the question, do we look at ourselves as, and our opportunities to invest in the kingdom of God as His property. When people look at us, do they see that we belong to God? Do they notice just from observing our life that we are sold out completely for Him? If you are not convinced that you are God's property, well then just take a look at the human body. Consider the skeleton system. 206 bones compose the skeleton, about half of which are in the hands and feet, most of which are connected at, at very elaborate joints that allow us to have more dexterity and more flexibility than any robot you could ever create in a lab. The heart is the strongest muscle in the body, beating on an average of 100,000 times a day. It weighs less than a pound often, and it pumps blood through the 60,000 miles of blood vessels that we have in our body. That's enough to go around the world twice for, for those who are, are worried, wondering about how far that really is. No wonder that the Word tells us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Submission to God and His leading begins by recognizing that we are not self-made. There is nothing that we can really, truly create. Everything that we have, everything that we exist, exists because we are bought with a price and we are created by God. Do we recognize that we are not our own I'm convinced that this is one of the starting places for the struggles with committing to God and the opportunities that we have to serve. 
We get, a, we get to be a, a part of something great or we get to be a, a part of some success and we start to think that we had more to do with it than God. God has given us so much. But we become blind to why we are able to do whatever it is that we do. We begin to take ownership of our own body, our own time, and our own commitments. Rather than allowing God to make our commitments, we make them for Him. You see, every time that we fail to invest our our minds, our body, our commitments, priorities, to indulge in our selfish desires, we claim to care more about our ownership stake or our ownership rights or our uh, egos, rather than the godly desires to reach a lost world. By that I mean that there are people sitting right next to you right now who are in desperate need of spiritual first aid. We all have neighbors. We all come in contact with colleagues and, and individuals in the grocery store who are so lost, who are in such a time of need, And the question is, as God's people chosen to be His hands and feet, do we even notice? Or are we so consumed with what we've got going on, we are so busy, whatever the excuse is, that we miss the desires that God has to use us? As you may say that, that... I understand that, and I feel committed, and I feel convicted about that, but that just seems like an awful lot of responsibility to be placed upon my head or my shoulders. How how, how can I be expected to make that much of an impact? Again, I don't even know how I have time to, to even make it here this morning. I feel so overwhelmed in life. I can't even imagine beginning to care for another person. Well, the text says that that there will be a level playing field. Look at verse 15 again, if you will. It says, To one he gave five bags of gold or gold or of talents. Uh, uh, two, he gave an, of another he gave two, and to another he gave one, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. When, and Paul was teaching about temptation in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. The text says, And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. God is not going to overload us. He is not going to put more on us than we can handle. And so if He is asking us to step up, then He will give us the tools to do so. Now I know some of you say, that sounds great, but... But no matter what I do, no matter how much I pray, I still feel overloaded. Usually it's because we are trying to juggle everything ourselves rather than allowing God to handle our choices and our decisions. I don't know if you were like me, actually like Sarah last week, and you went out to the grocery store to get a few things before the ice or the snow were to come, Uh, I didn't go, but I've been before where you walk into the grocery store and you have on your mind you're just going to get one or two things, maybe the milk and the bread. And so you go out there and you you walk past 
the front and you see all those shopping carts that are lined up there that have a purpose, by the way, and, and, and you say, I'll be fine. I'm just getting one or two things. So you go back to the milk and you grab your milk and you say, oh, I'm out of creamer. So you grab the creamer. Then you go to the bread aisle and you grab some bread. And that reminds you, man, I'm out of peanut butter. So you go get some peanut butter and you're in the peanut butter aisle and you say, dadgummit, we're out of ketchup. So you grab the ketchup. Next thing you know, you're juggling all these items and you're saying to yourself, why didn't I just grab a shopping cart when I walked in? Uh, we've all been there. We've all experienced it. I want you to think for just a moment of people's needs, of individuals that we can witness to, opportunities to invest in the kingdom of God as groceries. If we would trust God's shopping cart, if we would allow Him to handle our commitments to becoming His hands and His feet, then we may start to feel a little less overloaded. If we truly put it all in God's hands and avoid trying to juggle it all ourselves, we may start to notice that we can become His hands and His feet, free to allow His work to be done through us. We tend to make things worse because we want to be in control, because we want to be in the driver's seat. And that is when we often start to feel overloaded. We also often feel overloaded because of the pressures of the unrealistic expectations we can sometimes put on ourselves. We feel as though we are not successful if we don't hit a certain mark or a certain number. If we don't have a certain number of people filling these seats, if we don't have a certain number of people that we're reaching, if we don't have a certain number of dollars that we're collecting each Sunday, we're not measuring up. Well, that church down the road, their parking lot was full. Ours wasn't. If we start comparing everything to everyone else, we can sometimes get so overloaded that we sit on our, on our, on our hands and our feet and just say, it's all pointless. But the text tells us that he entrusted them according to their abilities. I'm convinced that that this text is not as much about the number 5 or 2 or 10 or or 4 or 1 or 1 in the the result of the, the third servant. Because later in the passage, the manager gives the servant who doubled to 10 the same abundance as the servant that doubled to four. In other words, it was the willingness to work and to be His hands and feet that God honored, not the number that they collected, not the mark that they hit. Even the third servant insinuated that one of the reasons that he did nothing was because he knew that the master got results everywhere. And since he could never measure up, he would develop the attitude of why bother. The one with five talents likely has fewer resources, but the Scripture doesn't go into that. It just simply says that whatever resources the servants have, they are given or judged on an equal slate by the manager. How often do you believe that the playing field gets leveled? I mean, how often do you really believe in work or in athletics or school, that it really gets leveled. 
If you're one that believes it never does, that, that there's always someone that has an advantage, that life's never fair, then you're likely to take the philosophy of that third servant and fail to seize the opportunities that are right there in front of us because they do exist. Even the manager points out that there was a simple thing that that, that servant with one talent could have done to at least have gotten that interest, but he didn't even take that opportunity. That could have been one individual that could have been brought into the kingdom of God. Speaking in terms of the kingdom of heaven for a second here. That wouldn't be because we didn't think it was significant enough. Maybe because we didn't think we would measure up to the big church down the road. The question becomes, what will we do when given the chance to invest? However we respond, the Scripture teaches that we will reap what we sow. Let's note what happens in the rest of the passage. As I mentioned earlier, as I read earlier, the man that had five talents and the man who had two put theirs to work, and they gained more. The, one, the man who had one talent went off and buried it. He hid that talent. And when the master returns, the first two men, they give their master the fruits of their labor, and they were rewarded. But picking up in verse 24, we see what happens next to the third servant. If Follow along in your text if you're with me. Verse 24. It says, Then the man who had received one talent came, Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you had not sown and gathering where you had not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went out and hid your gold or your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I had harvested where I had not sown and I gathered where I had not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put your money on deposit with the bankers, so that when I returned, I would have at least received it back with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them, and throw the worthless servant outside into darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We must not become lazy and squander the opportunities that we have. We've got to remain urgent in the business of God. You know what kind of story gets celebrated more than any other? It's the story of the underdog. I mean, just think about the sports movies that the entertainment industry puts out. Uh, The Bad News Bears, uh, The Natural... Uh, sea biscuit, uh, Rudy, Rudy. That's one of my favorites. Um, even Cinderella Man's about a boxer in the early 1900s and during the Great Depression time. I don't know if you've seen that's a good movie, with Russell Crowe. Even that, even that, just that title tells us that it's going to be someone that's going to come from uh, unsurmountable, insurmountable odds and and is going to overcome and beat the giant, right? It's the most celebrated story. Do you know what separates those individuals or, or those teams, those stories from the rest? It's their heart. 
It's their vision. It's their determination. It's, it's a sense of urgency. Because, see, they can't just rely sometimes on their talent, their, their God-given talent. They've got to dig down deep and find something that that other person doesn't have. They've got to level the playing field themselves. And it often gets leveled because of their drive, because they're, they're, they're going to do nothing but be successful. Speaking of vision, Helen Keller, who was born blind and, and also deaf, she once said, what would be worse than being born blind would be to have sight without vision. You see, talent without vision or motivation can cost a team the ball game, but it can cost the body of Christ an eternity of so many lost individuals in this world. You see, talent without urgency and motivation doesn't gain anything. In and of itself, it's nothing. As we notice from the third servant in the passage, more than talent is required. Commitment and vision is needed. I was watching the, the movie Friday Night Lights several weeks ago. And it's a, it's a football movie as well. It's about a high school football team that's aiming to be perfect. They're aiming to, to be undefeated, to have the undefeated season and win the state championship. And most of their hope, it all centered or all focused on their, their star running back, Booby Miles. And looking more in depth at his character, you learn that he was definitely not a team player. He was only out for himself, but he had this thing, that he had this talent, that he had this thing he could do. And it was run the football. And all the scouts were just uh, drooling over this, this football player. And they were throwing scholarships at him in all the big schools. And, and all the, 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 the kids in school were looking at him. Or his, they wanted to be his friend. He was popular. He was on top of the world. But you know, he, he really didn't do much. He, he was this lazy. He was his third servant. He was lazy. He was given some talent. But he didn't invest. He didn't work. And when I say he didn't work, and when I say he didn't invest, and I say he didn't use his God-given talent, I'm talking about more than just his physical attributes. He didn't study. He didn't prepare for what was next in life. He didn't even really practice. All he had to do was just show up. We, we, we've met those kinds of folks. But the playing field got leveled. He was out running a play, and he got hit, and he sustained an injury to his knee, and ultimately his career was over. And throughout the rest of the movie, it kind of shows the team, and it goes back to him, and it shows him in several different instances. And, and finally, towards the end of the movie, he just finally breaks down at the end because he realizes that he has no hope in life any longer. That everything that he had invested in, or, or lack thereof, was now coming to fruition, and he now had nowhere to go. Had everything going for him, looking after only himself. You see, the third servant staked everything on that one talent. Don't be like that, that football player I just mentioned. Don't be like this third servant. Don't stake the success in the kingdom of God on what you have in your possession or maybe what you've accomplished in the past. 
It's about the here and now, and it's about what we're going to do moving forward. Don't become lazy and, and satisfied. Be excited to do God's work. No matter what harvest we might bring, invest your talents and gifts in the opportunity of God so that they will become fruitful for the Maker, the one who truly owns all that we have and all that we are. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we do thank you this morning for what you have blessed us with, for what you have given us, for the talents that you have invested in us. Lord, we, we come to a time in which we have been convicted, Lord, because, Lord, we all need to do more. We all need to step out there on faith and trust that, Lord, if we invest in the opportunities that are around us, that, Lord, you will see that results take place. And Lord, no matter what that harvest may look like, it's really not up to us to judge. It's only up to us to, to be your hands and feet wherever we are, whatever that looks like. We just need to be willing. Would you cultivate a, a willing spirit amongst the people that are here this morning? Would you cultivate a, a willing spirit in the community surrounding this this place, would you soften their hearts? Lord, make their hearts fertile for the gospel message, for the message of a Savior, Jesus Christ, who came and, and died for, for our sins so that we would have that abundance that, that the Master speaks of in this text, that, Lord, you promise us that eternal life that opportunity to stand before you one day and know that we are yours. Lord, help us again to see that we do not belong to ourselves, that we belong to you, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and that even the, the opportunities that we have are put there because of you. Would we see everything around us in the light of your ownership, in the light of your will. For we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.